How's it going, everybody? Welcome back to the Zoopcast episode 77. Uh, I was not here last episode, 76, which was the big the big pre-draft episode, which I believe is the last one that we put out That's uh, that was held down very nicely by Josh and Louie, uh, who are with me today. And uh, a lot is happening here in Sen's world, as is kind of typical at this stage of the offseason. We, we've had the draft, free agency has started, uh, we've got a lot to get to here, but we're going to start, we're going to talk about all the extensions, we're going to talk about free agency, we're going to talk about things to come, uh, but let's just start with what essentially we're continuing with last episode, because the draft has happened, uh, your Ottawa Senators did not trade into the first round, they did not trade into the second round, and they did not trade into the third round, so they did stay the, the course, <laughs> and their their first pick was in the fourth round. Uh, so in case no one has heard the news, here are the players that were picked by the Senators in the draft. At 108, they pick Hoyt Stanley, who's a defenseman from the BCHL. They pick at 140, Matthew Andonofsky, who is a defenseman from the Kitchener Rangers. They pick Owen Beckner in the first of three seventh round picks, uh, from the BCHL. They then pick everyone's favorite Sens draft pick, I think. Of this class, uh, Vladimir Nikitin, who is a goalie from the Kazakhstan Hockey League, who has one highlight on the internet. Uh, and then at pick 215, it was Nicholas Van Tassel from the Green Bay Gamblers, great name, of the uh, of the USHL. So, Louis, I'm going to turn this over to you. I don't know how much you know about all of these guys, because a lot of them, later rounds, you're not going to get scouted as much. But a lot of people seem to like Hoyt Stanley uh, at, at round four, and I, I guess you might know a bit about him. Yeah, he's like the only guy that we ended up drafting that I had scouted and really knew about. <laughs> so, but the good thing is it was a good pick. Like, personally, I probably, I didn't like, I only did my top 40 with like a starting lineup of honorable mentions, so I didn't rank anything further than that. But I probably would have had him like late second to third round. Uh, in terms of where I would have ranked him. Um, so getting him in the fourth is actually really solid. Uh, I, I like him a lot. Uh, he plays with a very aggressive mindset. He's got a pretty mobile frame. He's 6'2", almost 200 already, which, you know, of course the Sens like that. You know, big frame, yeah. somewhat mobile guy. Uh, that always screams Sens. But uh, he's really good in terms of exiting the puck out with control. He activates a lot, which is something you love to see from modern defensemen. And part of the reason why Josh and I liked Denton Matejchuk so much last year, obviously nowhere near to that same level, because, you know, it's the fourth round, you can't really get that as much here. But it's nice to be be able to see him do that. Uh, and he, the, the name of the game is really, he plays a super aggressive game. Uh, like when he's defending in transition, he's able to shut down opposing opposing forwards really, really quickly. And even when, you know, because he plays such an aggressive game, he's going to get a lot of mistakes that happen. Uh, but he's able to recover from those pretty well. Uh, the thing is, I'd like it to see him maximize, you know, the way he uses his size and his physicality more and some of his 
puck management, but that has gotten better throughout the year. One thing that we talked about, Josh and I, during the draft show is that I'm looking for players that increase uh, some of their flaws or are able to prove that they can work with or around them throughout the season, and he was very much like that. He improved his puck management and decision-making a lot. Um, so I'd like to see if he can continue to act on his aggressive mindset once he improves his skating, both for his defense and then his shot for his offense, because that's one thing. He does not have a cannon from the back end at all, but that's not a problem. Eh? You know, we re-signed Hamannick already, so yeah, we have we'll, that we'll figured get to out. That. Yeah, we'll get to that. But uh, yeah, it seemed like this was a, you know, scout-wise, this was a pretty uh, astute pick by the Senators in the fourth round. Uh, it was their first pick of the draft. Uh, and on that topic... I, you know, there was a lot of, like, there was a lot of discourse. There was a lot of discourse about who are the Sens going to do at the draft with Debrinkit. Like, are they going to trade into the first round? So, Josh, are you are you upset that the Senators did not trade into the first or second round, or can you live with uh, with what went on? Um, fine. I mean, it, it depends who they wanted to get with, you know, with whatever pick they would have moved up for. In the end, mm-hmm. I feel like, I tweeted about it this morning, and I don't know if you guys agree. I don't think we really talked about it. I would rather trade Debrinket for like a mix of current and future. I think what I said this morning was something along the lines of like Adam Henry, like because the Ducks seem to be like the front runner right now. Something along Ducks the lines Islanders, of you know, I think. Awesome. Yeah, yeah, but the Islanders yeah. have the Islanders have nothing to offer. The Islanders have honest. Pajot, who appears to be yeah. in every mock trade right but, now for some reason. Yeah, exa- exactly. So. And they have no cap space. Even trading Peugeot away and bringing in Debrinket, they'd be over the cap. So to me, like the Ducks feel like the front runner, which is really good because they have so many prospects. I feel like something along the lines of Adam Henrique coming back with retention because it's, flat, it's just one year, right? And Anaheim has to hit the floor. They have almost 30 million in cap space right now. And then some combination. I don't think you get a first honestly, just because they could still finish bottom five in the league, and I don't think they'd want to have like the, the Bowen Byram situation the Sens had. So if you get a couple picks, maybe a second and a third, and then you get some prospects, but they have, of course, they have the two big D-men. They have uh, Matejchuk and Owen Zellweger. But I think if you get two prospects, something like Tristan you Luno... Tukov and Zellweger. Right? Oh, sorry, yeah. I knew, I knew when I said it that there was something wrong there. Um, but, you know, I like... A forward prospect too, like Sasha Pastajov, is good. Um, if they were willing to get, you know, trade a deep prospect and a forward prospect, as opposed to just trying to get their number one prospect, I think that's something the Sens should look at because they need more. They need multiple prospects. They don't just need one guy. To me, like you know, they got to fill up the cup, the cupboards there down in the AHL. So that's something I would look. I, I would be happy with. If they were able to pull something like that off. As a completely unbiased 67s fan, I will just say I will do everything in my power for us to get Minchukov back in a trade like that. Please, for the love. But would you rather? Would you rather get Minchukov? And again, I'm saying this. I don't really know how much these prospects, how how high their value is, because you know Tristan Luno, I believe, was a third round pick last year, and Sasha Pasajov was a second round pick, or maybe flip that. Yeah, I think it's flipped. But either way. Uh, neither of them were first round picks. So, would you rather have those two guys or just Minchukov? Minchukov. Especially, you got to. Minchukov's a left handed D, and they have Shabbat and care. Sanderson. I mean, like, forever. listen, I know I'm like, the fact that I'm saying this, being as 67's pilled as I am, obviously yeah. I'm going to say that. But honestly, 
Like, I truly believe in Mitchukov being a game-breaking top pair guy. That's why I'm saying that. And you take that. If you have the he's also the top. He's also their number one prospect, right? Like, he, if, if any of their prospects, and we're not counting McTavish because he's not a prospect, if any of their prospects were untouchable, it would be him. That's yeah. the other issue with it, right? Yeah. I wouldn't mind Sasha Pasajov had really, really good stats after he got traded this year in the, within the OHL. Mm-hmm. And Luno put up terrific offensive stats in the queue. The the Ducks had the defenseman of the year in all three uh, yeah. leagues in Canada: A W O and QMJHL. Kind of like how Dallas and has Luno's a right-handed D leading scorer, right, in every league last year or two years yeah. ago, maybe. I don't know. I'm with, not, I don't remember. It was with Stankov and Bork and Wyatt Johnston. Yeah, it was hilarious. Yeah, and they already have some demon up in the NHL. You know, they obviously have Drysdale. I think that's a position of strength from them that they'd probably be willing to trade guys out of in order to get a potential 40 goal score in Dabrinkit. That's somewhere I would definitely be happy with him landing, especially because they only face him twice a year as opposed to, you know, the Islanders who you're facing more. So I, I wouldn't be bummed if they didn't get a first, but I would like a mix of, you know, current picks and future picks yeah. or current players and future players. Sorry. So as far as getting back to the actual draft that the Senators had, it's obviously tough to to try to grade it just because they literally didn't have a pick in the first three rounds. And we don't know a lot about these guys just because they're picked so far down and no one's really scouting down there, at least not on this podcast, uh, no offense. But the like, if, if you were to try to grade it, like, what, do, are there any other picks that stand out to you right away besides Hoyt Stanley, who you kind of knew, like... You want to talk about the goalie? <laughs> okay, no, I well, okay. So Vladimir Nikitin, the goalie pick is hilarious because he had actually incredible numbers in the Kazakhstan Junior League. Or wait, were they incredible or were they just good? I don't remember. It's he had like just a such a funny pick. He had a nine twenty. Good for him. You yeah. know what? I I like that pick. I think that's really funny. Who was the other guy? Nicholas uh, Van Tassel. Van, Van Tassel. It's funny because last year went from the Green Bay Gamblers, right? Yes, from the Green Bay Gamblers. Okay, so that's funny because last year when I did the whole Twitter thread on who I think the Sen should pick with every pick and like a little breakdown on the morning of the draft for the 2022 draft, um, I wanted the sense to pick Owen Van Steensel from the North Bay <laughs> Battalion wow. in the seventh <laughs> round that's with crazy. their seventh round pick. And now we get Nicholas Van Tassel from the Green Bay Gamblers. I don't know. I found that really funny when I saw that happen. The other guys I just don't know. But, like, grading-wise, I think the Hoyt-Stanley pick in general just makes it, like, a B-minus right away. I think that's a really solid pick in the fourth round. And the other ones, like, the fifth, I don't really know that much about, like, Andronovsky, the defenseman from Kitchener. Seems like he's a bit um, of a rugged, then, tough defenseman. He doesn't have yeah, a goal and the rest in are his just, life in, his, in the O. Exactly. Like, the only thing that I was looking for is there were only really two guys left on my board, I think. Or maybe maybe a couple extra at the Stanley pick, and it was like Luca Pinelli and Luca Cagnoni, who I'm really high on. And Stanley was still a great pick at that point, and none of them were available by the time the fifth came around, and then the rest were sevenths, which one of them was a funny meme Kazakhstan goalie pick. So <laughs> yeah. I think I'd give it a B minus just because I, there's not much more you can do, and the pick that actually maybe not mattered but had the most value, they actually did pretty good on. Yeah, I uh, I think that's valid. I, I, this was never gonna be like. A critical draft for the senators we're past that i really hope we're past that they've they've had all their important pick really high pick a lot of people drafts and next draft man there's so many defensemen available next year from yeah. the ohl oh my god well we'll uh that's all, that's a ways all the 67s d will get picked by the sense don't worry yeah well one day we'll uh we'll get there um but yeah that, so the draft happened 
Sens made their picks and that was done with. And then two days later was free agency. We're recording this on July 4th. So a lot of names have been signed in the last three days. And we will get to free agency in a second. But as, as far as in-house contract extensions, there are three that the Senators have made. And uh, they're all on the back end. So they, they sign... Every, everyone loved this. I mean, they, they signed Eric Brandstrom for, for $2 million for a year, uh, which is awesome. I don't think anyone had a problem with that. I was kind of, I mean, I know a lot of people, including myself, were hoping that could maybe be a multi-year deal, but I mean, whatever, yep. right? <laughs> like, just get him, get him in there. I guess it's another prove-it contract because they signed him to essentially the same thing last season, but it was $1 million instead of two. So I guess... It was 900K. It was even less than that. Oh, it wasn't even a million. Yeah, that's sad. Yeah, okay, well, crazy. I mean... It's it's great value for two million for Branstrom. I don't think anybody is denying that. Uh, so thumbs up all around. They also sign this one. I found quite interesting actually. The the Jacob Bernard Docker extension. It's a two year extension, and I believe it's a one way deal, right, for both years for JBD. Yeah. I found that really interesting because Dorian has has kind of he's been on he's been in the doing his rounds with interviews this offseason, and he's been talking a lot about how that's JBD's spot to lose there on the third pair, even though we haven't really seen much of him. Like, they brought him up last year, and then they sent him down, and they didn't really bring him back up, and everyone was like, well, what's going on? Like, are we going to see this guy? Uh, so, Josh, do you think that... Uh, do you like this for JBD, and do you think he's going to have a good chance to crack the team this coming season? If we recorded this yesterday, I would have said yes. But then today, yeah. and that's what we'll talk yeah. about, I'm yeah. sure, is they signed Hamannick for two years, and not just one, but it's just... So, in terms of just looking at JBD, yeah, the fact that he got a one-away kind of surprised me, because he hasn't shown that he's ready to be in the NHL full-time. Yeah. Right? They're kind of just going to... I think they may have just accepted, Close. like, okay, yeah. if he's not ready to start the year, he's we're either going to try and waive him, or... They're just going to let him play as a seventh D and hope that he grows just through, you know, being at practice every day or whatever. But then, yeah, Hamannick, they signed two times 1.1. It's just a head scratcher because they are, they're so tight on cap space. Um, so if that's your seventh D, right, because they signed JBD, it's like, why do you need a seventh D making over a million dollars? We saw Calvin DeHaan sign for league minimum yesterday or two days ago. Yeah. So. Uh, that's yeah. a, a curious one. I, I, I've said it on Twitter before. If, if they had signed him to like a one-year deal under a million to be the seventh D, yeah, whatever, I wouldn't have had much. They need a seventh D. Like, like, like I like even for at the one point one yeah. for one year with the no, no moving clause. They'll, no, they'll be fine. Like thankfully, they they should have tons of cap space next year, even after re-signing uh, Sanderson. Yeah, because the cap right? is like, go up I, to what, the thing I did this morning. Yeah. And four uh, million in, in, so, Man. yeah, five million because Colin White's buyout goes negative for the year. Right, that's true. <laughs> they actually gain cap space. Yes. So yeah, like they the one I did the the cap friendly sort of GM thing I did this morning involved trading out Debrinket, signing Danton Heinen, whatever for two years. They had eighteen million in cap space with the only loss being Henrik, who I had traded for in the thing, and that before signing Sanderson. But that's still tons of space, right? So. 1.1 million is not going to kill them next year. It's just, why do you need him on the team next year? The The entire point of a 6-7-D is not to be giving them term. It's to be, you know, a rotating position almost. 
I would just like to point out, Josh has been hard at work on these cap friendlies. Every other morning, I'm waking you know up for work, and I already have a text from Josh <laughs> with like this whole cap friendly oh, thing. Yeah. It's like, Louis, what do you think? I get up at work. I get up at work for at five thirty every morning, oh and sometimes God. when I get in, I don't have anyone else in yet because I get in at seven. You know what? If I caught up on everything that I had at the end of the day yesterday, let me just run on cap friendly for like the one like they probably take me fifteen minutes to jump in with no idea in mind and just change it up. Yeah. Yeah. So we'll uh I mean, I don't know. I'm gonna be interested to see how they use Hamannick this year because I think that's going to have a pretty profound effect on how people view the contract. Because if if we see like and I and here's yeah. the thing, let's not lose sight of where we are here, guys. The senators are about to roll out a decor of Sanderson, Zub, Shabbat, Chikrin, Brandstrom as their five best D. That's pretty friggin' good. Like, that's solid. You really can't ask for much more than that as far as... I think their top four, if, yeah, if it stays healthy, could be one of the best, better ones in the league. Not, like, top five, but, like, right, Sanderson takes another step. You have two number one D on the left yeah. side. Well, top five, if you include Brandstrom, is, like, one of the best. That's what I'm saying, say yeah. Yeah, that, that too, it's yeah. Like, so, so, but, but just their top four, right? Like, how long since they've had that? But just, like, yeah. just think about it for a sec. Like, we're arguing right now about this contract for the sixth, seventh D on the set. Like, how far have we come here? Like, th this is pretty good that this is the problem right now, that, that we're arguing about a contract for a sixth, seventh We're D. trying to avoid talking about the forwards. That's why. Fine, just always, just be a Debbie Downer all the time, dude. That's fine. <laughs> you know what? Let's just move on. Let's just go to the next thing, because clearly, clearly talking about this is going to give you no joy uh the senators were active in free agency making a big move uh they signed everyone was talking about the sends need a goalie sends need a goalie uh they got a goalie they they signed Jonas Corposalo uh for five years four million AAV uh the instant reaction to this from a lot of people on Twitter was why did they give him this long of a contract and I guess maybe that's valid as someone who's turning, I guess, I think he's 29. Uh, but uh, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm quite conflicted on how to feel about this. I've come around to it and I'm like, you know what, whatever, like, let's just let it ride. Are, are you like, would you say that you guys are vehemently against this or are you, are you okay with uh, seeing how it goes with Corpus Allo at four bill a year? I don't think I am. I've actually talked my uh, before it happened, like going into free agency. My the one that I was hoping for would be Tristan Jari. Like I, I think I've mentioned before. I've what? Been, <laughs> I've been working on um like uh goalie fit data, and Jari was the second best fit in terms of like ignoring like actual value because then Soros and Chesterkin and then the Hellebucks would all be at the top. But looking at pure stylistic fit. Jari was the second best fit for the Sens, and that was kind of intriguing. I liked his profile, um, and I really wasn't hoping for Corpusello. And yes, five years is a lot for any goalie, unless yeah. you're like one of the top six guys. Um, but four million is not terrible. The cap is going to go up. Yeah, he was really good last year. And the thing is, yes, he was terrible as the the years before that. But for like three years now, he had been playing really injured. Just had double hip surgery last summer. And played very, very yeah, well. Yeah, did you see? Season. Did you see what Aaron Portsline said today? On I think it was on TSN twelve hundred. No, he basically said, like, because he covers the jackets, right? He said the hip surgery that Corpusalo got, essentially, the surgery itself made him a better goalie. Like yeah. just because he's been playing yeah. injured for so long, he got that fixed. And he just, I was watching highlights because I was trying to cope with the fact that we gave a goalie twenty million over five years. 
And he's just incredibly athletic. And some of those he were really from is. before his surgery too. So I'm like, there's definitely potential there. And you know, like, like you said, how many goals did they use last year? Like, like 11 goals. Not a, I don't know how many. Yeah, no, not 11. That's like the last three years. But yeah, they used a lot of goalies. So even if he's putting up like a 9-10, like just a league average, I will take, you know, a 4 million cap is, is something I could stomach. If he's not getting injured much and he's putting up league average numbers and not making us roll through goalies every week, that I'll take that. This, I this... was about to say too, like some of the, just one second, Adam, some of the things that I some of the data that i track on goalies i found it really interesting because like obviously everything improved for him uh from like the couple years before to this year but one of the things that improved the most was his uh like his saves on low danger danger. chances really well i saw high danger went up too but like specifically low danger went up a ton um so i found that really interesting because it could be just the hipster you're making him just not make as many stupid mistakes right because he just it stops that he should be able to make and now he actually can uh, and the agility is mm-hmm. still allowing him to make the higher danger save. Like, he has some of the highest recovery and scramble ability stats that I track uh, in the league, which is really nice. So I've, as you said, Adam, I've kind of talked myself into it, mm. and I don't hate it at all. Obviously, it's a goalie, and we'll have to see how he fits into onto the Sens, and it's five years, so it could be risky, but I, I'm, I'm open to it more now than I, than I was beforehand. I believe, you can correct me if I'm wrong, because I heard this, I believe, on, on the radio or something. I think that the most games that Corpusalo has played in a single season was this past year, and it was like 39, right? Like, he, he hasn't really played... That would make sense. Yeah, like, yeah. he hasn't really played a full season as a starter ever. Because remember, when he was in Columbus, he was splitting a lot of games with Merz Lincolns, and then he went to L.A., obviously, which was good for him last year but i don't know like they still let's not forget the sense still have forsberg and he's coming off a very bad injury that's yeah but i think he's earned and i we've talked about this so many times that he's earned the right to start like he's totally totally earned the right yeah, to be the starter for the senators so i think they'll split I think, but that's the thing i think a they'll split too I, I don't think you sign a goalie for 20 million dollars and make him a pure backup that would just be stupid uh but i'm gonna be real like well, the, the way Dorian made it sound was that he is the number one guy and Forsberg's the backup. Yeah. But I think Might just because, be like you said, he's though. never hit 40 games. Yeah, maybe it's like a if they stay healthy, it's like a 50-30 type split or something. Whatever. Guy misses two games. You know, something like that. Yeah, where yeah. Corpus Allo is getting 50 games. They're not going to put him in there with like a Connor Hellebuck and give him 63 games in his uh, first year yeah. in Ottawa. At least I sure hope not. <laughs> Yeah, and I, I will say, I like the tandem. Like, I like the idea of this tandem. Because yeah. um, they won together. Yeah, there's always, like a, always a friendship exactly. aspect. First of all, the vibes there, awesome. Always friendship. Um, but always. also, um, that's a combined only $6.75 million that you have on goalies, which is not a lot. Nope. And for two goalies that are, from what we've seen the last year, very competent, um, at what I have right now for those two combined, I have them for, depending on how they're used and deployed, between eight and nine standings points above replacement between the two of them, which is really solid for a goalie tandem that makes so little money. Yeah. So I'm looking forward mm. to that because we, we haven't had a tandem like this in a while. Same for the decor, and hopefully yeah. our forwards can stay healthy. Or, I mean, everyone, but, you know, it, it's looking good, I, I will also, say. I found it interesting that you talked about how his low danger chances got better because what did we see with Talbot last year? It seems like he was making all the big saves. And he would just let in, like, 
these killer stinkers at the worst time like that's a low date it was always well it was always at the start too like talbot's warm-up speed was terrible at the start (laughs) of periods at the start of the games it was awful but if he lasted the whole game he would actually warm up and be quite good at the end of it which Ugh, that was a whole thing. And he signed with LA now. We basically swapped Corpusalo and Talbot. So Which I would take that trade. Don't want you anymore. Yeah. Absolutely. Oh my god. And I think (laughs) not even close. uh, What was I going to say? Come on. Josh, do you have anything to say? I want to rethink about what I was going to (laughs) say. No. I was waiting for you. Oh no, okay, I know. We're we're talking, like, this, the thing is with this, like, I, I, I'm totally, I'm, I'm okay with it too. I think like, I just like yourself, Lewis, like I've kind of talked myself into thinking it's okay, but like bottom line, this needs to work. This really needs to work badly yeah. because w- the senators you could argue haven't had like a real stable goalie situation since Craig Anderson. And that is like too long <laughs> for that to go on. And I listen, I love Craig Anderson but we know he was on, off, on, off, on, off, season to season. Yeah. Like, you could predict it perfectly. It was just a perfect sinusoidal curve. Would he have a great season and then be, eh. And then great Pick season. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so if we can get consistently good goaltending and then just swap between the two, that'd be I great. don't even, I don't even know if it has to be good goaltending. Like, give me, like, a combined plus 5 to 10 goal save above expected yeah, for the yeah. entire season. Yeah, I'm not like saying it needs slightly to be above average. Yeah, because the offense and especially the offense from the defense should be good enough that you know league average goaltending in terms of expected goals versus actual goals against should be enough to get them into the playoffs. Considering you know they should be scoring a lot of goals. I know they might be losing to Brinkett, but we'll get into you know who else is available in free agency or whatever. I still think they can score enough goals to get into playoffs. So yeah, let's uh, let's we're gonna move on here from Corpusalo. The because free agency has other things to it. The Sens made a lot of minor league deals, uh, signing a lot of guys to the AHL squad, which they normally do. Uh, there's a there's a rumor going oh, on. Go. Yeah, let's sign go. of a Koji Yamama, That's big. Uh, there's a rumor going on about Vladimir Tarasenko, which I find unbelievably strange because never in my mind would I have considered Vladimir Tarasenko to maybe be joining the Sens. Like, that just seems so odd to me. But Did you get any dad so, not join the Sens? No, it's a fa- exactly. That's, that's true. Fair point. <laughs> but so essentially, from what I understand, it was down to Tarasenko is still on the market right now. And last night, the night of the July 3rd, there was like a apparently it was down to Ottawa and Carolina. And he was a 30 minute period. There was a 30 minute period <laughs> yeah. Wait, where people really thought, yeah, he might come to Ottawa. And then it's, and then, so there was a report well, that he signed with Carolina that has yet to be confirmed a day later. And it was only Sasha, I believe, that Shana. Shana. Shana, sorry. Shana yeah, I don't know. It's because Shana, yeah, I forget, I forgot her last name and her, um, her Twitter handle is like At Hey Shay. So yeah. in my head, yeah, that's why I messed up her name. But yeah. I think she was the only, and she's broken stuff before, yeah. so not like she just made oh, yeah, it up. Oh yeah, yeah, no, she's legit. Um, but but she's the only one who said something, so who knows? Maybe it was just a one-time mistake, or maybe you know it's basically done, but they're trying to work something else. I believe out. Mike Gould but came on. My hope, today my hope remains that it was not finalized. Uh, but uh, I thought other people said it wasn't yeah, finalized so, too, like yeah. actual uh, like Carolina reporters. So we'll see. So, so that's uh, we're gonna say that's still up in the air. My indication is he's still going to go to Carolina. I would be pretty surprised yeah. if that 
if he just does a 180 and wants to well, come like, to the Sens. What kind of contract is he going to get? Like, I don't know, I'm man. I'm genuinely so curious. I, like, because I is have it a no one idea. Year? Apparently, he was mulling through. Well, there was one year, but he said he was apparently also given like a six year thing or something. I wouldn't give him six. Which is crazy because he's. Th- what? Because he's 31. Yeah, I would not like, give him six. No. That's the if, thing. If, if it's a multi year. I would sign thing, him to uh, like two times four. Really, I would give him two years, yeah, because of how much max. flexibility they should have. Yeah, year. yeah, exactly. But you know, like up to up to four million, I think maybe three and a half, ideally. But you know, you just look at what other guys got. I think he should. He deserves to get more than Domi. And what was he signing around three? You have the least. So things, right? that's yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's just I think I think Tarasenko fits really well. I know he's a right wing. I know he plays right wing. If they could try either him or Giroud on the left side, I think him with Giroud and Stutzla would be an unbelievable line because you have two really good playmakers setting up a guy who has an unreal shot. Kind of like how Dabrinkit should have played with those two guys this year. But alas. Uh so besides Tarasenko, Josh, I'm gonna give this to you because I know you've been doing work on the cap friendly with this and you've been scouring the free agents. What of of the op of the people that are left, who do you want besides Tarasenko, who would you like the Sens to be targeting on forward? Yeah, there really aren't that many options. I mean, unless people want like Phil Kessel coming to the team. A lot of the guys here are like, Hell yeah. <laughs> you know, guys who will sit in the bottom six. Whereas Tarasenko, you could probably put him on your third line, but you could also move him into the top six. You also have Tatar, who could probably do both. But he yeah. scares me a tiny bit because he kind of had a revival playing on an unbelievably good, analytically sound Devils team. So I, I definitely wouldn't want to give him term necessarily. But when it comes to depth options, because the Sens do need depth scoring, some of the guys I was looking at were uh, Danton Heinen. Uh, he, he had a 30-point season in Pittsburgh just two years ago, like 2021-22. Scored almost 20 goals in a depth role. <clears throat> That's a guy I wouldn't mind having. I was thinking Pui Yarvi as well. We talked about him, I think, around the deadline. But he had double hip surgery, and his skating already wasn't necessarily the biggest strength in his game. So that would scare me a bit. Um, and then Dennis Mulligan, he was on the Leafs. He has very, very good underlying micro stats. He'd be good, and you know, you just throw him on the fourth line. I think that's, and he, I think, has the ability to move up into the middle six if you need him to. So those are some names who will probably go for a million or less that I would like to look at. Yeah, and I think it's fair to say that the Senators are still going to need to do some things here, like to get the bottom six going. Like they can't really just leave it how it is. Like Louie, I know you were tossing around that idea of like. They're just going to get the AHL guys to fill well, all the spots. Yeah, I'm saying that because that's what Piaf basically indicated during his media availability on, on July 1st. He basically said, like, we're very comfortable with the internal competition we have and the guys that could push for spots that are that would graduate from Belleville. Not Obviously not worth yeah. forward quoting him here, but that's basically what he said. So we could easily see, obviously Greg should be in the lineup and we're yeah. kind of penciling, penciling him in already. Um but guys like Sokolov, Crookshank, apparently Cole Reinhardt, um, Roby Arventi, even. Yeah, exactly. Yuri Smeshkal. Yuri Smeshkal. Yeah, Schmeichel. yeah, yeah however you say that. Yeah. Schmeichel. I, I don't even know if it's Smeshkal, Schmeichel, Schmeichel. There we go. I'm just saying it. Yeah. I'm just saying it like the letters look in my face. Smeshkal. <laughs> yeah. Sounds good. <laughs> yeah. And also, I hear differently. Also, I, I don't know if who reported this, but apparently the Sens liked. Boku Mama, maybe even more as an Ottawa piece than a Belleville piece. So we could definitely see him on the fourth mm-hmm. line next year. And I listen, he is such a Yeah, yeah, he has. He is really good friends with Mathieu Joseph and Thomas Shabbat. Yep. So like, 
I think it'd be great because we're just adding all the St. John Sea Dogs because we also signed Matthew Highmore, who was one of their teammates. So we're up to four yeah. now, which is crazy. But, you know, keep them coming. You know, the, the vibes are going to stay up. I know some people are saying trade Joseph, but I'm sorry. We can't. We're locked in I, now. If I would only, yeah, I like him. I would only trade him if it was the only way that Debrinket could stay long term. I wouldn't trade yeah. him just for Debrinket to stay for one year. I think that would be pointless. But I think you, you're going to trade him for essentially nothing, or he might have to attach a piece when in reality, if he has a bounce back year, he's probably going to be worth his contract or close to it. So. Bakoji Amama has nine NHL games with the Coyotes. He has one goal uh, and some good stats in the AHL. So we will see if he can come up maybe and, and play. I think I would still like to, I still think I'd like to see the Sens sign like an established, oh, yeah, a, a couple established NHL guys for, for depth. Another, um, but it's good to have the option for sure. Another name that, will probably come in over a million dollars, but I haven't really seen any talk about uh, is Oscar Sunfist. I wonder if he had, he didn't have great underlying numbers in Detroit, but he was also playing in Detroit. I don't know, but he, you know, he's had successful seasons in St. Louis. I feel like he's had injury issues. So that might be a concern, but that could be another thing that they look at. I'm pretty sure he's a big boy. Yeah, he's like three two twenty. I could I could yeah. totally see Pierre Dorian. I remember targeting that. He That's was like right. the shortest guy on that big line in uh, Detroit. Yes. Right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that was funny. I think yeah. I, okay. That's a guy. I think and he. I think he can play down the middle too, right? So, you know, the same way that I was mocking a Henrique trade to Ottawa is you have a guy who can play the wing, but you have two guys in your middle six centers in Pinto and Norris who have a history of injuries. And you kind of want someone to move into the middle as opposed to having to move Broussard up to second line center. I mean, you like have, last you have year. Greg right now. so Yeah. Yeah, but are they ready to put him down the middle? I mean, right? I, in like, the three spot, I'd hope so. Maybe, yeah. But would you, I personally think I'd rather, let's just say Norris went down. Unfortunately, Norris goes down. I would rather see Henrique be able to go into the top six than, you know, have to put Greg at third line center and you have Pinto at second line center. All of a sudden, your oldest center in the top or all the center overall is like Castellic at like 23 years old or whatever. Perfect. Yeah. Love that. Ideal. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay. So that's uh, we'll, we'll see how free agency progresses. The senators expect them to make a couple more depth signing signings, I should say, but the, the, the core of the team is pretty much there. We'll see what happens with the Brinket, obviously, but, but the senators have are all of a sudden now after years of being just awful and trying to get to the cap floor, they kind of have a cap crunch to deal with now. Um, obviously this is going to be altered considerably with when Debrinket presumably gets traded and that frees up a lot of space, but they need to sign Sanderson. They need to sign Pinto. What are you like? I don't need to sign pre- Sanderson. I'd like them to, but I kind of like need he has them a contract to. this year, right? Yes. Yes. But the thing is like, you rarely do you have the yes, opportunity like to lock slow. up your yeah your future yeah. top but pair does he defenseman. I, again, obviously right. this is assuming he does, but he's yeah. only it's a rare opportunity where he's only played one season and he's already easily. I would a give him Shabbat's contract. I would put oh, yeah. it, I would put it in front of his face with a pen and hope he just signs it eight times eight right now. Honestly, I totally would. I think you could even maybe even try to get him to like get the AV down to seven possibly. Um, sure, but I would I would do eight yes. times eight, and I would go a little higher. Just 
the only way I don't see him growing into being worth that much is if he has some career derailing injury. Like, and then it's LTIR. It's just, like, how, you're fine. How quickly, how quickly he came in and established himself. He was a top four defenseman from the first game of the season, right? And by the end of the season, you could argue that he's pushing to be on the top pair next year. I'd argue so, he was the best rookie defenseman in the league this year. Like, I don't think, like, I, yeah, I, I would probably agree with that. Yeah. And so, and, you know, like, he's doing this at an age that most defensemen who become, you know, top four D men aren't in the league yet. So it's like, what is his floor in three or four years? It's probably a number two D just based on the way he's going right now. Right. If he, if he just stays what he is, he's probably a number three, but what are the odds he remains a number three from age 20 to age 26? So yeah, if they could do what they did with Stutzla and take that risk at the end of the day, you have to take those risks because how do I put this? Like, if they don't become good, you're probably not going to be a contender anyways, right? So it's almost like doubling down. Yeah, you're betting on yourself. Just like what they did with Stutzla. And it's already panned out, and the contract hasn't even kicked in yet, right? So Yeah, yeah, I agree. It's just crazy. Like, reminiscing. Like, remember how, before Sanderson came in, we were all basically penciling him as, like, a top four, possibly top two guy before he had even stepped into the NHL, putting yeah. so much pressure on this kid. And then he comes in, faces what I have as the 99th percentile quality of competition numbers as a 20-year-old. Yeah, playing and, with Hamannick. Yeah, well, that's the thing. His deployment was just not good. Favorable zone starts, no. Quality of teammates, eh. He was playing with the good fours every once in a while, but his D partners were not great until the end of the season where he finally started playing with Zub. And yeah, he was playing incredibly tough minutes. He played so well. Like if you can lock him up this early, having only one season of thirty-two points under his belt, you're you're golden. That's why I think it's so important for them to get to that. But unfortunately, due to the Pinto contract needing to happen, due to the Debrinka trade needing to happen, and possibly more middle to bottom six signings in the forward core, it's kind of being ignored. And I feel like it might not yeah. get done as a result. But who knows? Listen, the Stutzlitz extension only happened in September, right? So. We might yeah. still yeah. see it before the season starts. Yeah, I think he should focus on other stuff first. It's not like he's going to play a game in between, right? Yeah. Get the Debrinket thing sorted. Find Pinto. I'm of the opinion that they should bridge Pinto and wait to see how much that. the cap yeah. goes up. I agree Like, that. just give him, like, like, if Pinto would sign it, two times two. Like, I don't think that's unreasonable. I think I saw something. I can't remember what the, the company or the website name is, but they have sort of um, AP contract thing, projections. Yeah, and I think his was two times 1.95. Right, something very realistic and I think acceptable for both sides. Unless, of course, Pinto thinks in that second year he's gonna be absolutely broken out and deserves four or five or something. But that lets him, you know, walk into his age twenty three, twenty four season in his absolute prime and get a good deal. So with a probably much higher cap ceiling too. Yeah, right now you're not gonna be able yeah. to command much, whoever you are, right? So because I, I think like the I don't really know. If, if people know what Pinto is right now, to be honest, like I don't think that he's only lasts. Has I don't one think full th- season. That's the thing. And he's it wasn't a- fair. It wasn't a fair season for him because Norris went down and he had to play a role that he wasn't supposed to play. Yeah, so it's not valid to sign him long term because you don't know what you have and you don't know what he's going to be. I think you have to bridge him if you're Pierre Dorian. I think two million is pretty acceptable too. Uh, I feel like maybe they'll, he might get a little bit more than that just because of how yeah. negotiations are going to go. Um, maybe 2.5. Two, two years, three, two or yeah. three years. Two or three years, no more, in my opinion, for, for Pinto. I think that's pretty, that's pretty valid. But yeah, that, like, the Sanderson one, man, like, I, I don't know. I really don't know what that's going to come in like. Like, they have to, you'd think that, ha- that can't be a bridge, right? You'd think that has to be a long-term deal. 
Yeah, you need to get them locked in as soon as you can, and you, you have a chance to do it now. So you definitely don't bridge a year ahead of time. That's like the last thing you should. Well, yeah. Do. yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, like if there's something in this offseason, it has to be seven or eight years, preferably eight, obviously. But we, uh, I don't know. We 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 talked about we talked about the Debrinket trade a little bit already. I don't know if you want to keep doing that because it's like we're just gonna we're just gonna stand pat. Yeah. We, you know what? Something happens. We could talk about. We haven't even talked about Anlauer becoming the owner, <laughs> and that's True. happened so long ago. <laughs> we want to yeah. wait till it's official. We, we also haven't talked we about. We also haven't talked about DJ Smith coming back as head coach. Oh yeah, that's true. Well, that happened between. No, not for the draft. It was there for the draft episode, but before that, I don't think. Did it you guys talk about yet, that last so. episode? No, it was no, no, no. Just did. Draft but that was the only chance we had. Okay, well, DJ, wow. DJ's coming Hold on, back. Adam, are you telling me you didn't listen to the episode? How dare you? <laughs> wow. Yeah, you're right. It was, a, it was a bad, it was bad. I, I, I was like, because you told me to. Well, you didn't tell me to. You were like, have you listened to it yet? And I was like, I haven't gotten around to it yet. And I honestly did mean to get around to it, and then I just didn't. I'm just a little bit, I'm just a little bit lazy. Just a little bit Man. of a lazy podcast host. Wow. But, uh... I, you know why you know, know I didn't so listen well without you, man. You know why I didn't listen is because I just knew how it was just going to be good. I knew it. I was just like, oh, it's Josh and Josh and Louie on the draft. Like, I don't need to make sure this is good. Like, I know it's going to be good. Please smile. I refuse. Please. Okay. Uh, DJ's back as the head coach, and a lot of people didn't like that. A lot of people on uh, you know on the internet were up in arms, and you know this is you're, this is another wasted year. I thought. I was also of the opinion that he shouldn't be back. I thought he made some very interesting comments in an article with uh, Ian Mendez, I believe, in The Athletic. It was written. And he made some interesting comments. I want to go back and find the coach, but off the top of my head, like he was like, I need to coach them differently, is essentially what he's saying. Like It seems like, obviously, we'll never know until he act, the season starts and we actually get going, but he's saying the right things right now. Like I think he understands that this is a make-or-break season for a lot of people in the org, and he needs to get them into the playoffs, or it's going to be chaos. Like, it's going to be nuclear if they don't get into the playoffs. Um, so I'm, I, I'm interested, because I know, I, I assume, uh, Josh, I know, is not the biggest DJ Smith fan. Uh, is nope. this, like, do you think this is going to sabotage the season, having him back, or is this going to be, like, they can play through it and it, it might work out? Um. I don't know. I don't know. It's he could he can say all he wants, right? But he could come yeah. into the season and it's mid game, and all of a sudden, all of his coaching habits come back to him with five minutes left in the third, right? Like yeah. a lot of it was systems based, so he could change that and that could improve. But a lot of it also came down to in game decisions, and how much can you really change that, right? Under pressure, last minute. Like how often is he going to keep putting out the fourth line with five minutes left down one? just to give, you know, whatever, give a breather or something, as opposed to understanding that you have to push or whatever it may be. So I'm not saying it's a lost cause, but he has had very poor Novembers in every season he's coached. So that I think that's going to be the month, right? And we remember yeah. last time when the Sens imploded, it was when they went to Europe in, you know, the first quarter-ish of the season. So yeah, that well, is either going to be the best or worst vibes of our lives, I think. I was about to say, we had a chance so we'll to sign Matt Duchesne and bring him back to Sweden yeah. to, <laughs> to reverse the, the curse. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That would have been oh. hilarious if that could have... Wait. It would have been great. Hold on. Wait, wait, wait. 
Oh no, he signed with Dallas. Oh, I thought he signed with Minnesota for a second. Oh, that would have been so good. That would have been crazy. Oh man. So we will not see Matt Duchesne in Sweden. Damn it. Unfortunately. Is there a way we can bring Matt or Matt? What am I saying? Kyle Turris back just for the trip? Somehow, like, reverses the other way around? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) The thing I'll say about DJ Smith is a couple of his, like, a couple of his, his tools are gone. Like, he doesn't have Watson anymore to put out there. And you Gambrell. Know, it hurts me. Gonna... <laughs> yeah, I, I was going to say, it pains me to say, he doesn't have Gambrell to put out there anymore either. Uh, the the, the Hamannick scares me a bit. Hamannick being back scares me a bit for the main reason that DJ Smith is the coach. Like, that, I think, is the thing that I have the most against with that contract, is that he might feel inclined if the Sens are, for some reason, on a bit of, a, like, an unlucky slump, that he's going to put... Travis Hamannick back with Sanderson or something, or he's going to give him more minutes. Like, that's what I'd be scared of. But I don't know. Like, at the end of the day, this is it's who this is. He's it's going to be him. Like, we just got to kind of make the best of it. And I think, like, I do I, think he wants to win. Like, I don't think he's like an idiot, but well, I, I no think, doubt. Yeah. I don't know. We'll, we'll see how it goes, dude. I think like, the fact that Debrinket, Stutzla, and Giroux played like, what was it, like 40 minutes together all season? I think it was in less. itself is almost a fire. I think it was yeah, like twenty-two minutes maybe or something. That in itself, I think, should have been a fireball offense. I don't like just that one. Like you had eighty-two games. I don't think Debrinket or Giroux missed a single game. Stutzla missed four. So you had yeah. seventy-eight games yeah. to try those guys together, and you did it. That's why you brought the guy in. But no, instead you have to play him with Derek Broussard for forty games, right? And Drake Batherson, who's playing injured, not you know, not playing fully injured, but not playing at one hundred percent. No wonder he's going to have a down year and then not want to stay, right? So that, to me, was one of the things. And then, obviously, you have Hamannick. You have playing Chikrin on the third pair for the, like, 12 games or whatever he played. So we'll see what it comes down to. I just don't, I hope we don't go into game one, and then, you you know, you still have Shabbat, Sanderson, Chikrin on three different pairs to start the year. Like, so, that's going to upset me. <laughs> okay, so before we, we end this episode off, I'm going to get from each of you. Lou, we'll do Louis first. From now until uh, the season starts, like until the, the first regular season game, what would you like the Senators to do that is like realistic and would make you feel a lot better about the team? Okay, well, how realistic is keeping Dabrinkit? Because I, I want him back. I really do. I think at this point, I think it's somewhat realistic yeah, based that's on what how I think. these seem to be I don't think it is. Yeah. I don't, think they have the, I don't think they have the cap space to do it. Uh, even on a one year? They might have to. We might have no choice. Seven point. They they wouldn't be able to sign. They'd have to trade Joseph first off. Um, well, maybe that's part of Louis' plan. After signing, know. after si- never, never would be part of. After yeah, signing uh, <laughs> Hamannick today, if he loses his um, his arbitration, the Sens will have one point five, one point six million in cap space, with nine forwards, seven D, and two goalies. I've seen more challenging cap manipulation oh. happen. All right, I've been. Yeah. We've all been alive okay, without, for the last three or four years without trading a guy like Joseph. Oh, someone's gonna get injured, and things are gonna happen. All right, don't worry. Well, they have to be compliant on day one, though. <laughs> Listen, we'll Louis, what's your friggin' plan, dude? All right, thank you. So, yeah, go. Uh, keep to Brinket. Uh, whether that ends up being him coming back for a year or whatever, because at this point, I don't believe in a trade return being insanely good. Um, sign obviously this this is gonna be cl- like not really cap compliant, but I'll try close enough. Sign one of those guys like Tatar might be a little too much cap wise, and I would love him. But let's go like a guy like Dan. With Dubrincic, 
Yes. Yes. Oh, okay. Yes. Okay. Um, okay. And Heinen's different. I thought you were going to say Tatar or Tarasenko. No, 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 no. Uh, Debrinket stays. Hopefully you get Heinen, maybe Mulligan, one of those two. Uh, and then I think that's that's kind of it. I don't really see anything else. Like, obviously extend Sanderson, actually, before I forget that. That's a big one. And then Bridge Pinto. I think those are the big four that I'd like to see. Um, I doubt... I doubt even half of those happen, but I can hope. <laughs> wow, mine inspirational. Mine would be getting a current good player for in the Debrinket trade, and to me, the best one available is Henrique. As I've said, like he's, I think he's still really good. He could probably score twenty goals on the third I think line. He's okay, like I, I don't know. Well, let the man finish. G fresh card is beautiful. His G fresh card. Well, his is his beautiful. LB hockey and card like, is eh, it's it's average. Uh, don't care <laughs> um he scored 22 goals and 38 points in 62 games last year i think that's pretty good. yeah yeah he, before that he was 19 goals 42 points in 58 games uh 12 goals in 45 games 26 just, and 71 like, one the, year, he can right? easily score 20 yeah and i i would yeah. want it with retention right so it's just you have him under 3 million the ability to move into the top six i think that's a really good piece to add your depth but because you've lost to brink it i think along with the trade, would have to be signing Tarasenko or Tatar, preferably Tarasenko. And then, you know, you'd still have the cap space to sign Pinto. I think, to me, what would make me most optimistic is if they they address the depth. And I don't think keeping Debrinket can ad- help you address the depth. So that's why I would say trade him. So to me, yeah, successful offseason, hopeful would be fix the depth while also getting goal-scoring threats like Tarasenko and Henrique. I don't know. I think we have depth. If we just ice a line of Boko, Imama, Ridley, Greg, and Angus Crookshank, I think we win the cup. I think that's the best fourth line in the league right there, and we win just by default. Okay. Or you still go get Travis Konechny, and you ice a line of that's true. Uh, Konechny, Greg, and Kachuk. No, you have to do Konechny. You have to do Konechny, and Giroux for like the to make yeah yeah no and then you could chuck on the second line and greg on the third line and you have like the three like every line has someone that's pissing you off and drawing 50 penalties a game (laughs) and then we and and with all zoomcast episodes okay let it be known let it be known let it be known adam is tweeting while we record what the hell i was talking about about the dq churro cone because he posted a picture with the dq churro cone and then he was like, it, it was sucks. And I was like, you know what? I have a similar experience with the DQ Churro cone. I think it also sucks because I got one. I was walking with my dad or no, I was walking with my mom and my sister and it just fell. Like I just got all over me. It just collapsed off the cone. Oh, and I, I was see like, what now. the hell? Uh, and then he was I like, I think you no waited way. too long to eat it. No, I, I know. I swear. Like... I swear. I stepped <laughs> out of the Dairy Queen and started. Eat. I, I took like five like licks and it's gone. It was just on the floor. I was like, are you kidding me? This is ridiculous. Oh, yeah? so, so, so PSA, I'm gonna end this. We're gonna end this Zoomcast episode with a, with a public service announcement. The Dairy Queen churro cone is a scam, and you should not buy it. And it doesn't even taste that good, and it'll probably fall apart. And I know Bossy will endorse this message. If you want a good dip cone, go to Chocolat Favori. They have the best chocolate yeah, dip cones. That place. If you off- make seven hundred thousand dollars a year, <laughs> I'm just saying. <laughs> <laughs> wait josh do you actually know this if you place? want good ice cream chocolat favori of course oh awesome because i, I talked to adam yesterday about it and he had no idea i didn't know i didn't know this place it's so good yeah. you can't go often it's very good it's it is expensive. very good but it's very expensive. i know but like yeah. just go um, once it's incredible oh. and i'll give my tidbit 
We want ice cream because it's going to be so hot this this week. We got to make flurry. That's the best soft serve ice cream. Mm. Best like, you know, like soft ice cream. The McFlurry. They have caramel popcorn McFlurry and I'm not but I saw it when I was at McDonald's yesterday. Have any McFlurry? That's my recommendation. It's okay when it works. You no. Know. You get it, you get an Oreo McFlurry with caramel sauce and you're living life. Okay, no, no, no. If you want to go Oreo and caramel, have you ever gotten the formerly called Ryan's Ashbury Shake at the Works? It's peanut butter, no, Oreo, and caramel. It's so good. Mm. I end up making my own at, at home. That's just a killer combo. You get vanilla ice cream, peanut butter, Oreo, caramel sauce, and it's goaded. What an episode. Incredible. This is Can I also we let it be known as we're, going off, as we're going off course? This is a service public service announcement to both listeners and to Louie and Adam. I am going on vacation this weekend, so I will have a segment for next episode. <gasps> nice. That's huge. And then after, listen, I'm going to the Calgary Stampede this weekend. Oh. And then after filming next weekend, I'll be gone for two weeks. So we'll have, like, for another, for full vacation, and that will be, like, a huge segment. So we'll have tons of content. Yeah. If you're gonna go to Calgary, you gotta have you have to meet Harvey the Hound. Sadly, so get a report. There is, and we'll talk about it more. We'll talk about it more next weekend. I was looking at the wacky food offerings, and there is speaking of ice cream, mustard and ketchup soft serve. Disgusting. Cancelled. So I might try it. No, sounds terrible. It's probably gonna be like twenty-seven. Twenty-seven dollars. We're gonna pay money for that. We'll see. We'll see. Well, well, no, poor. I can't imagine. You're gonna. I'm not you're gonna, gonna give. It, gonna I'm not gonna divulge too much information. Well, you're gonna look at. You're gonna look, go up to the stand. And you're gonna be like, oh my god. Like I'm. Look at this. Like mustard and ketchup ice cream. I'm so quirky. Look at me. You're gonna take one bite and you're gonna be like, what a waste of twelve. Probably twelve dollars. What a waste of twelve dollars. This thing sucks. Is what they also have say. pickle pickle lemonade donut bo- bubble tea. Pickle lemonade. I think is what it was. <laughs> just let me find it. Yeah, what? Let me, <laughs> that should never go together. Um, <laughs> its creations include everything from the mini donut boba lemonade to the spicy pickle lemonade. Okay, they're separate things, but mini donut boba lemonade. We'll see. I, I'm hoping oh. not to spend more than like 100 bucks at Stampede, which is probably like two drinks and one arcade, one carnival game. So we'll see. But. I'll try and get some good stories. You think hundred dollars is two drinks and a carnival game? How expensive? Have well, you ever not been to like a big the, the, the ketchup and mustard ice cream? Obviously, like that. Yeah, that's like twenty-seven bucks. And... <laughs> yeah, yeah, okay, dude. If you want to, you should go on the account while you're there and give a review. If you get the the mustard ice cream, I think we could get a review of that. I'll do it. On the okay, good. I'll do it. Okay, so people can be on the lookout for that. Um, and then when, yeah. when when Josh comes back, we'll do a Josh's travel tips for Stampede because that's a that'll be a good one. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, uh, thank you for staying with us on this episode of the Zoobcast. We have so we started by talking about Hoyt Stanley, and we ended by talking about ketchup and mustard ice cream at the Calgary Stampede. So that's how much ground we've covered in the last hour. Uh, let us know your thoughts about various ice creams, their durability, and their like worth. Like, would you buy these ice creams? Um, and, and once again, from me and probably Bosty too, DQ churro dip. No, no fly. No, you know what we should do during the off season at some point this year, we should just have like an ice cream tier list. The Zoopcast ice cream tier list. Screw the sends. We're just talking about ice cream. Yep. Yeah, love that. We'll do that, dude. Oh, hell yeah. I'm all over that. When we have some downtime. I agree. August, August 10th. We'll do that. (laughs) 
I'll mark it it's down. Gonna be dire. That'll probably be my first one back for my vacation. So <laughs> okay, so half, Josh's, I'll talk about yeah, that'll be right before I leave yeah, for mine too. Have... That's perfect. There you go. Yeah, go on. Okay, uh, we're gonna leave it there before we spiral any further downstream. Uh, thank you guys so much for tuning in. Thank you so much for listening, and we will see you guys next time. Take care, everybody. Peace.